Michael Commentary. Brothers and sisters, I really want to kind of warn those of you who may be sensitive to material that would not be preached well in a Sunday school class or for those of you who have younger children. I do apologize to those of you who are sensitive to this material and this subject is uncomfortable. Nevertheless, I feel led of the Lord to share this. I have to tell you, I'm not entirely comfortable anymore with saying some of the words that I say in these recordings or having to share so much about this subject of sexuality. Nevertheless, I say to you, those of you who are sensitive to it, perhaps skip this recording. I wouldn't say that there's anything in this that could be considered highly inappropriate. I'm just simply suggesting if there's any of you who are sensitive to this subject, I've had to apologize in a few recordings for the parental advisories where this is an area of my life at this time that was coming under increasing attack. And I can choose to cut all of this out of my testimony and whitewash my testimony and thereby render the testimony less effective, less useful in the lives of thousands of people who are struggling with this exact same issue. Uh, For an instance, just as I took a break today, I received an email from a 17-year-old young man, a teenager, who is struggling with the fact that he has fallen back into pornography and masturbation, and he did it willfully, and he's now very concerned about what his spiritual status is before God. If you had received as many emails over the years as I have received of both men and women that struggle in this issue with sexuality, perhaps you would be more inclined to understand the need to have this topic out there. I'm not sharing this topic to sensationalize it. I'm not sharing this topic even because I want to. If it was to me, I would dismiss this subject, I think, and I would just say, okay, let's just let that be private and people can deal with it on their own. But the fact of the matter is is that if you keep doing the same thing you've always done, you get the same result. And that's the way we've always traditionally handled this area of sexuality in the church. And it renders men and women hopeless that are really fighting this battle. I have often described myself to good church people when I run into like a minister on the trail or an elder in a church or what have you. And they ask me, you know, what is my ministry like? I say, you know... Typically, the Lord's been having me help people that the church doesn't know what to do with. And that is the truth about my ministry. Now, I realize it doesn't fit all of you, but a lot of people that have had really difficult, dark things, long periods of suffering, long periods of temptation, long periods of struggle and sin have found their way to my ministry with God's help, and they have not been able to find the help that they get from this ministry inside of a institutional organized church where everything is kind of tidied clean and we have our little, you know, church Sunday best on and we put on our favorite, you know, praise the Lord phrase uh, when we see everybody. And yet this is not indicative of necessarily what our lives look like Monday through Saturday or the struggles that we face Monday through Saturday. So my ministry is very raw. It's about being very transparent and it's real. This is authentic. What I'm telling you is 100% real. 
I've done the best I can to protect where I felt necessary people's identities and names and stuff like that. And there's been many things I've taken out where I recognize that it would have been just something private. And at the moment, it felt like it was important. And years later, I discovered, no, this isn't important. But for the most part, like 98% of what you're hearing is what actually happened. And it's not edited, except for to take out, you know, my coughs and sneezes and all that from my allergies. But this subject of sexuality, as uncomfortable as it is for us to talk about, I mean, I want to remind you that the Bible talks about it a lot. The Bible mentions so-and-so lay with his wife. The Bible even mentions a man named Onan spilling his, quote, seed on the ground. I don't know about you, but that's pretty graphic. And I think if the Word of God goes there and it speaks of prostitution and it speaks of adultery and it speaks of sexual immorality and it describes what sexual immorality is and who you're not supposed to have sex with and all these different things. And the Bible clearly puts precedent and the Bible clearly shows, I mean, it describes rapes in the Bible, okay? I mean, not just like it talks about it as a subject, you know, you think of Dinah, Jacob's daughter. I mean, it literally talks about people being raped in the Bible. Now, these are real life, raw subjects. The Bible is raw. And if you look at the Bible and you were to whitewash it of all these things that make us uncomfortable, then you're also whitewashing it of all the things that are real and relevant and and powerfully uh, impacting our lives and preventing us from being able to have fullness in Christ. Sexuality is one of the most destructive painful, difficult subjects human beings have to deal with. I realize that I have a lot of different people listening to this, and that's why I'm trying to be sensitive to the fact that I'm not speaking to just teenagers, and I'm not just speaking to people that are in their 70s or 80s, although there are quite a few people that are following that are in that age group, and I praise God for them, okay? And so some of these subjects are not going to apply to people in that age category, but nevertheless, This is something that is seriously impacting and something that Satan is using to attack and to destroy and to condemn a great number of Christians. You know something, brothers and sisters, I'm often very sad in my heart about sexuality because it is something that is so painful for people to go through when it is out of balance in their life, either being practiced outside of marriage Or inside of a marriage, it's completely broken and it leaves one or both of the partners very hurt. There's many times I've I've said of myself, God, I wish you would have just taken this whole desire away from me. There's something about sexuality that it has a power over more people than you and I could ever imagine. Now, I can really imagine it because, again, I'm the one who receives tens of thousands of emails from around the world. And, And I tell you this, brothers and sisters. You know, again, I'm saying what I'm saying to you not to boast. I'm speaking the facts. This is God has put me in this position, not myself. I'm saying this so that it has weight for you to understand. I've never in my life met a person. I've never known of a single person, and I I can't imagine that there's even another ministry out there like this where the person whose name is on the ministry has personally received Tens of thousands of the most heartbreaking, personal, raw, destructive, sin-filled, consequence-laden stories as I have. Because my life and ministry is about telling the story of all that God's done in my life, 
naturally it draws people to be transparent with me. People feel safe. And so over the years, I've heard the most horrific, sad, devastating stories from all walks of life, from all different aspects of, you know, stages of Christianity, etc. I mean, it's incredible. And, and watch this. If I were to look back on all these tens of thousands of emails that I've received where people say, Michael, here's my story. Here's my mess. Here's how this happened and so forth and so on. You cannot believe how many of those stories the major corruption has to do with sexuality. You cannot believe it. I mean, I understand it's uncomfortable to talk about this subject. It's uncomfortable to think about people having sex. It's uncomfortable to make me think that because I'm sharing this subject that it might cause somebody else who's struggling in that area to think more about it and cause them to stumble. No, listen, we have got to take a more raw, open approach to this subject and be really honest about what it is and what it isn't about the damage that it's doing in our lives, because I'm telling you, it is train wrecking millions and millions of people. If you were to, quote, pull up the sheets on people's private lives, you cannot imagine the destruction this subject does. And I hate it. I hate it. I hate the fact that sexuality can be so extraordinary and can be so comforting and can be so wonderful And yet it can be like pouring hot lava in your lap and leave you scarred for life. There are people on this earth that should not exist by God's good plan. I am one of them because somebody wanted to have sex with another person. I am a result of adultery. My mother put herself and another young man, my blood father, in a position that they shouldn't have one night and teenagers all acting around and hanging around and one thing led to another. And I'm a result of, you know, a moment of hormones between two human beings. Now, listen, yes, did God make room for that? Yes, but that's not the ideal way to come here. And that's no excuse. And we should not intentionally go, well, hey, Michael, look at what God's done with you. And so if he did it with you, he can do it with me and let me jump right in headlong with somebody into bed and have a child and do this way. That is foolish thinking. You know, God spared me. It's like, well, hey, listen, uh, God saved Paul, so why don't I be able to go out and curse Christians and help put them to death and stand against all that they are and call them goons and idiots and all that? I might as well do that. You see, we wouldn't do that. You wouldn't think to do something like that, but we can say, oh, but look, God forgave Paul. Shall we sin more so that grace may abound? No, we don't. And I'm telling you that I am a picture of God's mercy. I should not be here under the circumstances that I came. I came on this earth through sin. I really, this is not ideal. This was not God's good will to bring me onto this earth by sin. God is in the business and Jesus Christ was sent to destroy the devil's work, which is sin. He came to do away with it. Not to say, hey, it's okay, keep going, I can work through that. No, thank God that when we finally see sin for what it is, we can be broken and humble ourselves before God. And even though God won't take away the consequences, I've mentioned this, I still suffer the consequences today of my parents' sin, and I'm suffering the consequences today of my own sexual sin. 
And so, you know, 20 something years later, you've heard me tell the story about the abortion. 20 something years later, I still suffer the consequences, not in my heart, but through the relationship that I have or don't have, if you will, with my ex-wife and the children. And there's all kinds of consequences that resulted from this horrible sin, horrible stuff. So this is an issue that is not being talked about. And because it's hidden and because we don't talk about it. And listen, I want to just say this to you. For those of you who are still in an age where sexuality is something you desire or that you feel a desire for in your body, especially you young people, I will tell you exactly what I told my son. Son, I am never, ever going to try to tell you that sex is dirty or try to scare you with it or try to make you think, oh man, you should never, you should stay away from that. No, let me tell you something. If you're anything like me, you will find that sexual union with your God-given spouse can be one of the most extraordinary experiences that you can have on this earth. It is one of the most powerful drug experiences in your head you'll ever have. And if it's done with a caring attitude towards one another, it's extraordinary. And I've told Tyler this, that it is something to very much look forward to. But here comes a however in big capital letters. If you decide to touch that thing outside the bounds of marriage, outside the bounds of God's timing, outside the bounds of God's will, you will be dumping hot coals in your own lap. You will suffer. There is no way you cannot suffer. I have suffered so much from my sexual immorality as a teenager and from this foolish choice I made with my ex-wife. And I continue to suffer. I'm almost 47 years old and I can still see the suffering. I suffered first at the hands of other people who sexually abused me when I was a child. You see, it's, it's, it's horrendous, the devastating, and I have no doubt that that in turn led me to be more promiscuous, more open to it as a, uh, a teenager where, hey man, that part of me is already alive. I've already been sexually abused. And you can see this is what happens when like a young girl is abused. Her, she's opened up to it and then she ends up being promiscuous and she runs from boy to boy to boy to boy. Actually, they run from her to her to her to another girl. She gets left behind and picked up by somebody else. It opens you up in a way you should never be opened up as a young person. Sexuality is very, very bizarre. It can be so beautiful and so absolutely devastating. There is no way around it. Sin always has consequences to it. Always has consequences and Satan will never tell you about it. And so you have to be so careful. Now, let me just say this. I'll let my recordings do the rest of the talking as you hear me do my own battles with this stuff, okay? You can receive God's help in this area. Whatever the struggle is, whether it's a question about what is legal, quote, legal and not legal, whether it's a question about is this sin for me or is this not sin for me, you can receive an answer from God. And most importantly, you can receive help. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I am a living, breathing example. Brothers and sisters, you can imagine how much Satan wanted to destroy me, right? I mean, not any more than anybody else that has any kind of a significant ministry. I'm not trying to set myself apart as anybody special. But God had a special call in my life and a special unique ministry. And that's to help a lot of broken people that were not able to be helped in an institution called the church. And so now here I am all these years later with all these testimonies. You can imagine how Satan would want to destroy my life. And one of the easiest ways he attacks all these ministers is in the area of sexuality. And I can tell you, 
that by God's amazing grace, with my willingness to fight, my willingness to hate the sin, God gave me grace to put down the misdeeds of my body by the power of his spirit. You can see I didn't always do it perfectly. You've heard my testimony. But you can see how because I hated it as sin and because I believed that God wanted me out of it, that if I did my part, he will do his part. And this is the essence of the entire Christian experience. It is a teamwork between me and God, between you and your Father in heaven. You understand? It's a teamwork effort. God has to see your faith and then God gives the grace if you bring him that mustard seed. And that includes hating it. Now listen, I want to explain something to you. It's important. The biggest problem with sexuality is the pain and suffering you have to go through in order to put that monster down and keep it under guard. There's a lot of pain and a lot of suffering that you're going to have to go through in your body temporarily for those of you who are still stuck in some kind of sexual sin, okay? Pornography, masturbation. I'll just lay it out for you. For me, masturbation became a sin. In Acts 24, 16, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. What I found is that even if I gave into it only thinking about my spouse, okay, even if I gave into it as a single person where I tried to justify, hey, listen, I have a desire in my body. I'm not trying to be, you know, a pornography guy. I'm not trying to start this thing up. It's starting itself up on its own. I have a desire to eat. And when I do, I feed it. What's going on here? This is a God-given desire. I'm going to feed it. Let me just tell you this. Every single time I would ever give in to self-gratification in that way, okay, just a physiological need. I'm not trying to to be weird about this, but just this basic human physiological need and desire that we all have. Watch this. Every single time I would ever give into it, no matter how many times I tried to justify it, what would end up happening is I'd get the immediate reward, sense of relief, followed by a tremendous, much bigger price of guilt. That is the way it is with all sexual sin. You are going to receive a a reward. Otherwise, you wouldn't want it. You're going to receive pleasure. Otherwise, you wouldn't be desiring it. You're going to have the pleasure. You're going to get pleasure from it, okay? It's like if you eat whatever your favorite ice cream is or your favorite dessert, you're going to get some pleasure from it, but you're going to pay a heavy price later. You know, think about it. Last time you went out for Mexican food and you were so excited, you and your family sit down and eat, and then you leave the Mexican restaurant always going, man, why did I do that? And then you're suffering for hours later. Hours later, maybe you're getting up at night with indigestion, right? And so, you know, think about it. It only took you 15 to 20 minutes to eat. So it's just like sex. Mexican food and sex are the same thing, right? You eat for 15 to 20 minutes. Man, it's so tasty. You don't eat the chips, the salsa, blah, 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 blah. It's so great. And sex. Man, it's so wonderful. It just out of it feels so good. It gets... Okay, let's just relegate it to this. Sex is about brain chemicals. I want you to understand this. I don't want to... I don't want to take it down below the beautiful thing that God made it to be, but I want to also show you that at its depraved level, it's nothing more than a drug addiction. That's all it is. You're getting a reward in your body. You're getting a hit of brain chemicals called drugs. They're natural drugs being made in your brain. People that are addicted to food, it's the same thing. When you go to that cabinet, you're getting a little hit. There's a little dopamine, serotonin thing going off in your, in your brain. You're a drug addict. It's not you're a food addict. It's not the food that does it for you. It's not the sex that does it for you. You've got to see this. It is all in your brain. It is the desire to feel good. 
My life stinks right now. I'm going through whatever it is I'm going through. This is tough. I don't like this, whatever. I need something to make me feel good. Ah, masturbation. That'll do it. Ah, Oreos. That'll do it. Okay? So listen, what happens is if you give in to that, even though it feels perfectly normal and it gives you temporary relief, you're Jonah 2.8-ing this thing. Jonah 2.8, those who trust in worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Brothers and sisters, the kind of grace that God has given me sexually is amazing. Now watch this. The reason why I'm getting this is because I'm not forfeiting that grace by trusting in an idol, figuring out how to take care of this need on my own. I am trusting in the Lord. I got an agreement with the Lord. Father, every time I do this, it affects my prayer life. It affects my Bible reading time. No matter how many times I tried to justify this, the next time I'd go sit down and read the word or pray, it's there. It's like there whispering in my ear. You sinned. You violated your conscience. You You follow me? It's there. And I and then I have to find myself confessing, God, please help me. This is difficult. And I, I finally, I got sick of it. I got sick of it. And I realized the 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 temporary relief, the temporary reward, if you will, for doing that, for giving in to masturbation or any sexual sin for that matter, is not nearly worth the price that you pay for having given into it. And so along the way, the Lord started to train me, help me. I think I trained myself, but I think the Lord helped me to begin to think of the consequences of how I would feel after sexual sin before it happened. And suddenly, after you train yourself to think this way, you begin to go, you know what? This isn't wise. Like there's certain foods, if I eat, it really tears up my stomach, no matter how bad I like the food. Well, after I ate that food enough times and it tore me up, I finally decided, you know what? It's just not worth the penalty that I pay. That that small few minutes of reward. Wisdom chooses to forego the temporary pleasure Okay, so that you don't have to face the long-term pain and discomfort afterwards. That's the way you have to begin to see sexuality. Yes, right now it feels good. Yes, right now you're just desperate for relief. That you're just desperate for some relief. That is the sinful nature going, I have an itch, please scratch it. And the thing is, is that the sinful nature never says, I've had enough, I'm satisfied. It's like eating Lay's potato chips. They say you can never eat just one, right? It's the same way. The flesh is never going to say to you, thank you so much for doing that. We don't ever have to do this again. Listen, I really appreciate you making the sacrifice to team up here with me and meet my needs. I was desperate. You did a good thing. I'll leave you alone now. Wrong. That's not the way the flesh works. And so what happens is if you continue on in these patterns of sexual sin, what happens is your flesh gets stronger and stronger and stronger and you develop, I think, what we would call a bondage. It's like putting chains around yourself and that uh, flesh can pull that chain anytime at once. And that's what I found is, and that's what Jesus is talking about in John 8, 31 through 36, where he says, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Think of slaves, somebody chained up, they've lost their own will, and they have to do and go and be whatever the master says, whenever the master says. And quite honestly, brothers and sisters, I saw that happening with me. And I think that I had, I'm not by any means somebody who would be considered a sex addict. I'm talking about just an average, normal guy here in this way. And yet I started to see this thing can pull my chain. And supposing I'm in the middle of doing something for God and it pulls my chain. 
And so what I have found is there is relief. There is power available to take away. And watch this. You only have to suffer for a time. If you, you can learn how to receive grace in that suffering. Now, God may test you some and let you suffer a little longer than you want, but I'm telling you there is relief available in Christ. You can teach this body and put down the misdeeds that it tries to get you to do by the power of the Spirit, and in the Spirit, there is a grace. So if you truly do want to be free, God will help you be free, okay? And you just have to be willing to suffer for a time. You'll feel pain to deny that self. You have to take up your cross, okay? That's the part that I want to make sure I'm really clear about. To get out of sexual sin, you're going to have to go through some pain. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to find yourself. Listen, I know. I have felt it. I know what it feels like. When you just want so bad to feel good, you need a brain chemical hit. Maybe you're not feeling good physically. Maybe you're not feeling good emotionally. Maybe you're feeling whatever it is, and you want something somehow to make you feel a little sense of life is worth living right now. And what you have to do is fight that because what that thing is saying to you is, is look, Just put the chain on for 15 minutes and then you can take off. I want you to think about that. The next time you're enticed to into any kind of sexual sin, whatever, it's 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 a master saying to you, and and Peter says that a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. And remember, Jesus said a slave has no permanent place in the family. So the next time that master is pulling at you, you have to say, Pretend like it's saying to you, here, just put the chains on just for 15 minutes. That won't hurt, and then you can take them off. See, the problem is, is that after you keep going back to that, eventually the chains are on permanently, and you cannot get them off, and you've been tricked. Your own evil desires have tricked you, and Satan's probably been right there helping you. And it does not give in. Let me tell you, what, let me tell you what the, where the reward is. The reward is in fighting against sexual sin and you will win with Christ Jesus. And my God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And certainly you would know a good work is being free from sexual sin, that this would be in accordance with God's will. And I'm living proof. I'm just telling you openly, I'm living proof that you can break free from sexual sin no matter how much you hear. You hear the Satan attacking me in my dreams, causing me to have all these thoughts trying to constantly come at me. And listen, do you know something? It's continued many times at the worst places. Do you know that it happened again even after Persis left? It started happening again a few times, and I fought against it, and it went away, and I just thought, you know, that dirty devil, I've thought this for years, that he's such a cheater that he he kicks me while I'm sleeping. See, I can control my thoughts during the day, and I can have full, you know, conscious choice to take every thought captive. I cannot do this when I'm sleeping. I, I can't control anything when I'm sleeping. You could put a knife in my chest. I can't control it when I'm sleeping. You understand? And so it's really unfair, it's really dirty, it's really kind of the lowliest of all bullies to pick on you while you're sleeping. And so, nevertheless, this is what he does, and it's real. And he's trying to get you to take an action, he's trying to make you feel condemned, or he's trying to, to, to lure you into doing these things in real life so that he can get you enslaved. Listen, an, an orgasm, the drugs that you get in your brain from that, is not worth going to hell for It's not worth missing the grace that could be yours if you do not trust in a worthless idol. 
It's not worth missing fullness in Christ. It's not worth it. You have to fight it. This is part of the fight. And this fight is not going to last forever. God's going to make it comfortable. I can't stress this enough. God will comfort you. Those of you who are suffering miserably in this area, God will comfort you. I do not live my life every day. And listen, I'm right now without a wife. Think about it. And she's been gone for 76 days. And I don't get even the hugs and the kisses and just knowing she's in the other room. It's all gone. And yet, God's grace. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, God's grace is available to help you in your time of need. You have to believe in faith. And sometimes you just have to be willing to suffer whether it be for a few moments or a few days until God is pleased to bring you that pain relief. And I tell you how many times I've just thanked God. Oh, my father, thank you so much. Brothers and sisters, I'm human. I'm human. I am not a super mini Jesus. I'm human just like you. And let me tell you something. I could be so destroyed in this way. I've already been so violated starting when I was five years old in this way. And then I did a lot of violating myself as a teenager we can get through this. We can overcome with God's help. So I wanted to share this with you to help you guys understand why I'm leaving some of these recordings. Nobody's complained in it, but I am really concerned about causing anybody to stumble. And I want to make sure you don't under, you don't stumble. But listen, brothers and sisters, we're all in this. We all struggle in this. So those of us that have healthy bodies, um, and healthy brain chemicals, I don't say all of us, but all of us that are healthy in those ways, we're going to struggle with this desire. And it's something that can get us in a lot of trouble. So we have to be really, really careful. And I think we have to be really, really honest. And now let me say one other thing to young women, okay? Over the years, I've had a lot of young women contact me about their sexual struggles, and they've mentioned things some, sometimes that are, that are graphic. And I want to say this to you young women right now. I've said this to you, many of you individually. Brother Michael has told you this over the years. And now I'm telling you as a whole. If you are a young woman, I would say any woman, do not tell another man about your struggles sexually. Don't go to even talk to a pastor about this. I had one woman say, well, maybe I'm supposed to go... Talk to my pastor. And I said, no, don't even go talk to your pastor about this. You have to trust me on this. If you're struggling and you can't talk and get help from God, you need to find some mature, godly woman. You do not go and share your intimate struggles with sexual sin or what happened to you sexually or what your desires are or your struggle with pornography or your struggle with masturbation. You do not share that with another man. You understand that this is where I'm telling you, you do not follow my example here, okay? My example is not your example. I'm saying this adamantly to you. You, you are playing with absolute hell fire if you do this. And you say, oh, but this would be a man of God. Don't put God or that man to the test. You don't know sometimes what goes on in men's hearts. Let me just tell you a quick story. One of my closest brothers in Orlando, Florida, him and two other brothers that had been business partners had a wonderful idea that they would all sell their houses and buy houses next to each other in a cul-de-sac so that they could choose their neighbors so that their kids could grow up with one another. They all moved. I mean, this was a big deal to do this. They all moved into this neighborhood eventually together. Well, the one guy and his wife 
started having marriage problems. Now, they all went to the same church, okay? And so the one guy and his wife started having marriage problems. So the wife went to the pastor. Meanwhile, this is every one of theirs pastor. So it'd be like you telling me you want to go to, quote, our pastor and talk about your issues, whatever you're having with, right? So now I would say, hey, I know this guy. I feel safe with him, et cetera, et cetera, right? This was a huge church in Orlando, Florida. That woman began to have counseling with that pastor. And guess what happened? They had an affair. And it ruined the entire thing. The pastor had also been involved with their business financially. Okay? And so you talk about an absolute fiasco, horrible thing. It ruined all of their relationships. It ruined everything. It ruined the whole business thing. I mean, it was just an absolute disaster. They ended up having to sell the business. This whole thing made its way into the news all because a woman struggling in a relationship with her husband went to a, quote, pastor and shared. And the next thing you know, there was an affair. That's how strong the sin nature is. And that's how strong sexuality is. And you have no idea what you could be playing with or how you might cause that minister to stumble. I, with God's help, have received a tremendous amount of grace in this area. Okay, a tremendous amount of grace. Father knew that when he called me into this, sharing transparently that there would sometimes be these vulnerable young women. It's a horrible, horrible thing. And you know something? My son, Tyler, just told me about somebody he knows. I'm not even going to name how it's associated with. Somebody he knows of. He doesn't know this person who used a particular platform they had that looked like they were so nice and they were just so talented in this one area and they used their position of power to assault dozens and dozens and dozens of young women sexually. You young women are the most vulnerable people on the planet. Let me say it very clearly. Do not, under any circumstances, unless it is your own father, you have no business sharing your sexual issues with any other man. If you can't find a woman, there's nobody for you to talk to about it. That's that clear. Don't be writing into some ministry and tell somebody about your issues. You got to understand this. This is a big, gigantic red flag warning. Okay, please. This is an area where we have to give a tremendous amount of vigilance to. We have to stay ever in the fear of God. Let me tell you something. People that step outside of this, that don't keep the marriage bed pure, the Bible says go to hell. And I can't, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine the people that sacrifice all of eternity in blissful paradise in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, and God the Father who made us for 15 minutes under the sheets to get this brain chemical going that only lasts for maybe five minutes and then it's gone. Think of how ridiculous this is. Yes, the desire is there. Yes, the desire is strong, but train yourself to begin to think about How many people are selling their souls to hell for a little bit of sexual energy, a little bit of sexual pleasure right now? Imagine the number of people that sex, I tell you, there's not anything I don't think greater on the planet that is going to send more people to hell than sex. Money is probably the only thing that's even close. 
And let's face it, a lot of the drive for money has to do with sex. <laughs> I mean, it's just unbelievable. So many of us are going to go to hell for a sexual desire on earth that we couldn't control ourselves in. This is horrible. This is why Satan attacks us in these ways. This is why I think it's important for me to leave these recordings in so you can hear about these real struggles, how I dealt with them, the timing of how they came, Satan's strategies in using, and how I overcame with God's help. People need to hear a testimony. Brothers and sisters, you can know Brother Michael overcame in this area. But I want you to think about, I want you to know that you can overcome, that I've overcome even the terrible temptations that Satan's been able to lure me in, even that strong desire to take care of matters yourself. God can give you rest and he can give you power and strength and freedom from sin. Freedom from sin. Okay? It's available. May God bless you as you listen. It's 4.57 in the morning on the 26th of March, 2015. I woke up, I think, at about 3.40ish. Tried to go back to sleep. Um, Ended up kind of waking up for sure at like 4.14. Watched a message or listened to a message by Charles Stanley this morning and then got up, you know, by like 4.30. And I just, I woke up feeling a darkness this morning. It's really amazing because I had such a major spiritual breakthrough yesterday with God opening my eyes to the correlation between being filled with the Word and filled with the Spirit and then this humility thing that God has been teaching me about. And then I have this three-hour-long meeting yesterday with Corey Spearing, this uh, wedding planner lady uh, who I just was introduced to through Sean. And... I walk away, and then tonight I wake up and had something weird happen. I not only had a dream, I know that I'm being attacked in my dreams, and it's having to do with sex. The enemy is now trying to attack that area to get me weak. I know this. This is this happened the night before um, court, where, or the day before court, where I felt like this just being so tempted in that way. And I know because if I... You know, the times I've ever done that, it violates my conscience. I've made recordings about this in the past, but I woke up from one of those, and then I heard my lampshade be knocked around. And I'm like, I bet you they're messing around with me again. And so I just rolled over, totally was not even concerned, just rolled right over and went back to sleep. But I know and sensed that there must be a, a demon that's trying to mess around with me again, It's funny that I had just written two days ago, yes, I have been, um, I have had encounters with demons. I just wrote this the day before yesterday in one of my, in my new book to to let people know. And so here it is now, I think they're harassing me. So I woke up this morning, instead of feeling the light of yesterday's message, I felt a darkness. Those who really press in, those who are really trying to find more of God, those who are really fighting against darkness, those who are really trying to keep pure heart, those who are really trying to live holy, are, are going to be attacked more. And um, I'm under attack. And thanks be to God that I know exactly how to sit here with my Bible. I'm going to renew my mind. I'm getting the concerns out of my head right now. I'm going to renew my mind and I'm going to pray. I'm going to go back into prayer and ask that the Lord refresh me, strengthen me and protect me by His grace. I will not just stand and just pretend like things are going to be okay. I will pray and seek God's face. 
So I have just been praying to the Father and asking Him to help me that I get out of this darkness and this attack that I'm under and for Him to please help me. And I hate all sin. I hate evil thoughts. And I don't want to have any of those things in me because they, they, what happens is I'm seeing that Again, more and more the enemy is attacking me at nighttime while I'm sleeping because during the day when I'm sound of mind, I'm able to meditate on scripture, I'm able to fix my heart on the Lord, I'm able to walk consciously in purity. But at nighttime, if he can make me have these sexual dreams or dreams that I'm masturbating or whatever, which doesn't happen very often, but I've been under attack a lot for the last week or so then he can basically have me wake up like I did this morning and feeling the oppression from that dream as if that dream was real, as if there's some kind of darkness, almost as if I sinned. It's it's very interesting. It's like it's kind of like when you have a a bad dream about somebody and you wake up feeling mad at that person because either they betrayed you, they hurt you, they cheated on you, whatever it is. I remember sometimes I had woken up mad at my ex-wife because I had a dream that she was cheating on me. And um, you wake up mad. And you have to say to yourself, well, no, that's not real. That didn't really happen. And so I feel like the same thing is happening now. So God, it's like the enemy can't make me sin during the day. So now he's trying to make me sin at night, either by having a sexual dream and I'm waking up feeling almost guilty that... Why did I have a dream that I was masturbating for crying out loud? I mean, that is just crazy. And that's like twice now in a week that I've had this dream. There was one with a lady, uh, you know, and I rarely ever have dreams about having sex with somebody or another woman. And the dreams I've ever had about Laura have nothing to do with sex. So it's been so clear that under the last week I have been under attack in this way. And this is an area that he's trying to hear. I am Mr. You know, celibate, if you will, for you know, three years, and he's trying to attack this area, and I feel like my time with Laura is getting closer, and so I think the enemy must just be putting on a a 15-round fight to try to get me knocked off of my spiritual high horse, and so I'm sitting here, and I'm like, God, I need your help, you know, and I'm like, all right, so today's the 25th of the month, so I read, if I read five psalms a day, I don't always, but I try to, Today's day 25 starts on Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. And I thought, gosh, what a wonderful psalm of protection. I'm going to add that to my phone. I click to my phone, and it's 522. 522 is the promise that God has been showing me every day now since I've asked for confirmation in Job 5.22, and listen to what it says. Basically, if you start in verse 19, from six calamities he will rescue you. In seven, no harm will 
befall you. Is that not the exact words of verse 7, Psalm 121? The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. And back to this verse in Job. From six calamities he will rescue you. In seven, no harm will befall you. In famine, he will ransom you from death. And in battle, from the stroke of the sword. You will be protected from the lash of the tongue and need not fear when destruction comes. You will laugh at destruction and famine and need not fear the beasts of the earth. For you will have a covenant with the stones of the field and the wild animals will be at peace with you. You will know that your tent is secure. You will take stock of your property and find nothing missing. You will know that your children will be many and your descendants like the grass of the earth. You will come to the grave in full vigor like sheaves gathered in season. We have examined this and it is true. So hear it and apply it to yourself. Praise be to God. He's just continued to encourage me. And even now I'm encouraged as I read this and I know that this is a word that God is telling me to apply to myself because he's directing me to it over and over again. And so I just want to show the importance of doing battle. It's amazing how you can go from being on this amazing spiritual high, God opening your eyes, revelatory moments, the closeness of Christ, the peace of Christ in your heart, go to sleep and wake up with a cloud of darkness. How is that possible? It's because you're being attacked. Now, the enemy is, God is allowing it for a reason. So, I literally woke up and heard my shade being knocked on my lamp. Being, you know, and I'm like, I know somebody's trying to mess around with me. So, I realized what it was. I went back to sleep. Then I have a sexual dream. And I wake up from that. And now I feel like a darkness over me. You know, and then I I had, it's just, I'm I'm being attacked in that area. And so... Man, it just gets on you. And what the whole goal of it is, is to create separation from God. It's to almost make you feel ashamed. And then here it is. I met with this wedding planner yesterday. She's attractive. She's a little bit, you know, dressed kind of like, you know, a lot of skin showing. And every once in a while, you know, your eyes will go to her arms. Or, you know, like one time my arm, my my eye went to her leg. And I look away and I just keep fighting it. And I'm like, no, God. And God gave me the grace to... Be able to look at her with absolute purity, to treat her as a sister. When I prayed for her, I called her by sister. But there still is this part of me that hates the fact that I can even see attraction in another woman. I hate that. Honest to goodness, I hate it. I hate it that I I look at a person and have to first define them by if they're attractive or not. Now, you do this with men and women. I mean, if you see a guy who's really handsome or really buff, you know, you, you make the conclusion, wow, that guy's really handsome. It's the same reason why we all look at like a muscle guy. You know, your eyes are drawn to appearance, attraction. The same thing for women, but I, because I'm wanting so much to be pure in heart, it bothers me if I look at a woman inappropriately. And I don't say I look at women inappropriately. I do not look at women and visualize having sex with them. Do I ever look at a woman and have a fleeting thought that comes across my head? Yes, but I immediately take it captive and say, no, I'm not visiting that. I'm not thinking of that. Do I ever look at a woman and my eyes go to her bottom or to her legs or to her breasts? Yes, and I quickly look away. I try to intentionally not look at women that way. But I am 
frustrated even that I see attractive women. And I'm like, for, I remember when I was married that I, I only ever had two episodes that I can remember when I was on the road where attractive women became an issue for me. Two particular women uh, issues where, one, I was with a guy who was trying to pursue these women and I was just caught with him. And then another one was with a lady said some very inappropriate things to me in a car dealership that I was servicing and, you know, it was a client of mine. And so all the rest of the time I was content and I never felt that need to look at other women. And sure, you may meet somebody who's attractive and feel a little intimidated, but I never desired other women. I never had, even though I largely was being sexually deprived in my marriage, I thank God that I never violated those marriage vows in that way, that I never cheated on my ex-wife, that I never, and you know, even when I would masturbate just because I was so sexually starved in the marriage, I forced myself only to think about my wife. It was important for me to stay pure in heart in that way because I didn't want to be guilty of adultery. And every once in a while, my mind would go back to an image of, when I was 18 years old and I saw this one videotape of pornography, I mean, that image is burned in my brain. And I would force myself, no, that is not my wife. No, I'm thinking about my wife only. And I trained myself to do this. And I've told the Father, Lord, this could be so distracting for me. You know, I don't want to continue to notice attractive women. I don't want to have this situation where I'm somewhat uncomfortable talking to you know, Corey, because she's single, I'm single, she's attractive, I don't want anybody thinking things, and I just, that whole thing is just weird, and it's just, I don't like it, I don't like it, it bothers me very much, and, you know, so, uh, anyhow, I just, it's a, I, I, I've been under attack about it, so I'm asking the Father to please help me, you know, I've been very content, God has blessed me so much, but right now, that urgency you know, I can feel it because of the attack. I mean, it is not easy to live a life of celibacy. It is not easy to abstain from sex. It is not easy to abstain from masturbating. It is not easy to abstain from any of those things. Sometimes your body claims its physical desire and you become like inflamed with arousal. And you're, you know, it sounds like, oh, this is so weird to talk about. No, it's just the way the human body is designed. It's like if all of a sudden I'm sitting here and my stomach begins to growl. It's telling me it's time to eat. You have a, a need and my body has a, a desire for sex. And so I, I've had to for three years. Granted, I fell into, it's really been longer than that, but I did fall into about 15 times having premarital sex with the one lady I dated for seven months. I fought it like crazy and it was just, I wasn't in the place of character that I was, that I am now today. And, you know, it was hard and, and, uh, but, you know, excluding that actually, you know, if you, if you exclude that, then, you know, you're talking about over five years of being celibate, you know, I mean, my wife left me July of 2010, we're coming up on July and so you know, it's a pretty remarkable feat. Not one I've thought about a lot that, you know, oh, I don't know, but I know that good things are coming. God is going to bless me. Good things are coming if I just hold in there. And, you know, this is something that I struggle with. I know that St. Augustine struggled with his sexuality. He was a very much a womanizer for a time. And, 
And, uh, you know, I'm fighting it, but I believe and know that God is going to reward me. I, this won't have this kind of power over me anymore or the, the ability to, to cause me to get, um, uh, you know, not focused and stuff. So I went from being uh, feeling very oppressed this morning uh, from just spiritual attack in my dreams and waking up just feeling like darkness to reading the Word, being led of the Holy Spirit to, I believe it was Psalm 121, and then the promise of Job 5.22, and I started to feel just encouraged by the Word. And then I felt led to jump up and get on my knees, and I began to pray, and the Holy Spirit just really came upon me, and I had to get up off my knees and start walking. And I prayed the most bold prayer I have ever prayed about Laura. I flat out reached up from heaven and said, God, give me the desire of my heart that you have been promised me. God, give me my wife. I I mean, I just was pulling it out of heaven. There was a boldness, like a declaration of God, you've already told me for two and a half years now, you've given her to me. Now, Father, give her to me. And I mean, it was just a boldness, not disrespectful at all, but a boldness. And I, I began to go through all the reasons why it is good that the Father would give her to me. It's like I was reminding him, I've heard of other people doing this. And so, in fact, uh, George Mueller is one of the first people <clears throat> that I've ever seen that made a list of God. This is why it would be good for you to answer this prayer. And so I just began to go through that, and I did. And man, it was just powerful. It was powerful. And so I gave him all the reasons, you know, that it would prevent me from being distracted by the opposite sex as a single man. It would prevent me from focusing on the idea of, am I ever going to get to have a wife who I can have companionship with, intimacy, love. Am I ever? Can I stop thinking about? Am I ever going to have sex ever again in my life? I mean, that's not something I carry around every day, but that is a desire that God has placed in me, and I want to do that in the bounds of marriage only. And I, I said, Father, I need a good companion. You have created me for companionship. It is not good that I've been alone. This has been a good season for me to be alone to. In other words, it is good that, it's, that I've been alone for a season to learn how to have this relationship with him, but it's not good for me to be alone. Even he said this. I also said, God, I need an Abigail Adams. I need a godly woman who can come along my side with her wisdom and encourage me, strengthen me, correct me, rebuke me, and we can do this with one another companionship, somebody that can help raise our kids, that we can raise the kids together. She's not doing it alone. I'm not doing it alone. That she would need a spiritual, um, uh, a leader, somebody to help usher her into a deeper level of God's presence. Companionship, uh, wisdom, friendship, intimacy, the, the, the ability to, to work together in missions, the ability to raise the kids together. It will give me comfort, wisdom, focus, uh, joy in my heart. And above all things, I remind, reminded the Father that this will be the way that He brings me honor. And so that He honoring me is honoring Him. In other words, this is the way He can most show people that He's with me. That if he will give me this wife that he has 
brought across my path, given me dreams about, used providence to direct me to scriptures to say she's mine, has helped me to overcome temptation, has given me the grace to continue to wait, the faith to continue to believe, the endurance to continue to persevere. God has done all these amazing things with this woman in my heart. And I said, God, if and when, not if, but when you give her to me, this will be the greatest sign that everything I've been teaching to people is right and that you are with me and that I am a man of God who God favors and blesses. And that I said, God, you will be honored. There is no greater testimony I have in all my life that I could prove to somebody that God is real and he blesses those who walk before him and withholds no good thing from those who walk blamelessly then for him to finally bring Laura into my life. This is great evidence. So I just was want to capture this, that I was filled with faith. I even openly talked. I mean, I put it all out there, talked about everything and just put it all out there. I mean, I've been talking to the Lord about, you know, every aspect of our relationship. I am really, really, really excited to have this all laid out before the Lord. And I feel like, Around the corner, God is going to bless me. I'm, he's, he's given me an anxiousness. There's a desire starting to burn in my heart again more for this, that, that it's an urgency. So, And I feel like he's, he's the one that's pointing that out. And that soon and very soon, God is going to be greatly glorified in this. Praise God.